0: The Around the NFL Podcast. Desperately wants to be friends with Bruce Arians.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan.
3: How are you? Seems to have some uh, existential angst today.
4: (laughs) Dan's already used his best material before the show's even started. Screaming out, we're going nowhere!
1: (laughs) That's how how I feel. Um, You have issues with the trajectory of the show.
2: No, no, no. In fact, I'm very happy about the show, especially (laughs) our most recent episode. Um, Of course, Lil Debbie was our special guest on Wednesday, and what a great time that was. And, And Mark Sessler, you made it all happen. You pulled all the strings. And I think Mark... I don't, and guys, back me up. Mark was floating out of the studio and then all the way back to his, his home on Wednesday. In fact, I picture inside Mark's mind as he was walking down a West L.A. street, just like this, at all times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, this is in your
2: mind, and you're skipping. <laughs> and you almost. I can almost picture you turning into a Japanese anime character.
1: <laughs> this is just the next installment of you... Creating a fake character out of me.
4: I don't know. I think I think there's something to it. It was almost like you created something, Mark. You created this connection with little Debbie that just seemed like this fanciful uh, mind game. And then suddenly, here she was
1: appearing in the studio before you. I I thought it was. It was a very surreal experience. I don't know how else to put it, and I think that you know I was relatively silent for the first seven or eight <laughs> well, <laughs> minutes, and I have no memory of it. To be honest, I don't. You don't have much experience in your performance art becoming reality. I I thought you guys, the three of you, I listened to it last night. I thought number one, she was an excellent sport. She was the the tweets were getting tell us the people loved her. But the three of you picked up the slack in a massive way for about eight to nine straight minutes. Was, I don't even remember. It was an. It was that, strange. I'm not saying it's like, oh, I'm so into Little Debbie. It's just like it was a very bizarre thing, and I don't know what was wrong with it. That's me. What, that's my favorite part about it is afterwards you saying that you were blacked out for the first
4: eight or ten minutes.
2: <laughs> I did, and I, I rewatched it. It's on NFL.com, and if you go on our Around the NFL page on Twitter, uh, you could find the link and watch Little Debbie in studio. I was watching it last night with my lovely wife, hmm. and uh, she actually decoded an all-time Chris Wessling uh, banger of a joke. You referenced Chuck Norris. Well, yeah, I know that. The Chuck G- Norris meme. The first meme ever. I, I know
3: that Greg decided to play referee on all my jokes yesterday. Oh!
2: I didn't play referee. That yeah,
3: was. You did. Wasn't that, ye- was that yesterday or was that Monday? What did I
4: say? Did that right? my
3: old Dirty Tuesday joke was that. Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> well... I just wanted to make sure everyone knew. You always complain about people stepping on your jokes. We, the, we heard it.
2: It's the Chuck just, Norris bit went over my head. and then, I'll
4: have you know that my fan base it. appreciated that. I joke. didn't say anything about the Chuck Norris thing. This is Dan's uh, Ballywick. I
2: love the Chuck Norris joke because it you didn't was. didn't catch it. It had not. No one has made the Chuck Norris bit since, like, 2001. I was in college when it happened.
3: I feel like it was a good. It was the right time for it. We were talking Pokemon and phones, you know. Well.
2: You did a good job, Chris. It was fun. Thank you. It was fun. It was I'm glad great your time.
3: wife appreciated it. Well, maybe she, she didn't it. even appreciate it.
2: She was able, I'll just say she was able to decode it.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <That laughs> I, is know a, what that, I just decoded what that means. <laughs> yeah, that is not a, a resounding endorsement.
2: <laughs> we, uh, I mean, I still love you, Wes. I just, Thank no, you. you know, no, none of us are innocent. We don't all hit home runs. I hear you. But we did yesterday as a group. Um, today's show, you've got to keep moving, though. There are no reverse gears in this tank. And uh, this is the Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored uh, by no one. And I will tell you what, good show today. We're going to talk about uh, some running backs that are primed to bust out. And this does tie in, um, though not officially, maybe a satellite to our big-time 2016 Fantasy Extravaganza Week. Um, So take close attention or keep close attention to uh, the names that we throw out here and then we'll check in a little later in the summer to see if if these players we throw out that we believe are going to really um, become big-time contributors this season either guys that were had down years or guys that just kind of weren't noticed and deserved to know deserve notice that's what this segment is about is that right Wes This
3: year's Doug Martin, or this year's Mark Ingram, or this year's Ryan Matthews the year before that. Every year, if you're watching the preseason games, if you subscribe to uh, our Game Pass and see these games, you can tell that there's one running back running way differently than he did in years past. And I think we're all just going to kind of guess which one it will be and then maybe revisit
1: after three or four preseason games. Weren't you saying yesterday to uh, Aaron Coscarelli of uh, NFL HQ fame that running backs are the only position that you watch – um, in the preseason, among other facts that you were uh, espousing, <laughs> I don't know what you're getting out there, but <laughs> no, I'm just saying I I I picked up that nugget because it's it's a it's something for maybe other fantasy fans to pick up. on. I think we all overrate the preseason, especially quarterback play,
3: but running backs, I think you can tell something about them.
2: Um, also, we are going to talk about the Hall of Fame, Brett Favre, amongst others, going into Canton this weekend. So, uh, Greg wrote a banger. Uh. Hall of Fame tweeners to Hall of Fame bangers is what I call this segment that we're going to talk about. Uh, these are players that are close to having uh, the can- Canton credentials but aren't quite there yet, and they need a little push. Greg uh, wrote a banger, so we'll talk about that. And also, speaking of Greg, uh, we still got to talk about it because it got bumped yesterday. Greggy does Dallas.
5: <laughs>
1: oh, no. <laughs> 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 what? Uh, we somehow have already topped yesterday's show. That
3: is absurd. <laughs> Dad is so happy with himself right now. <laughs>
4: a play,
2: of course, on Debbie Does Dallas.
3: Yeah, no, I got it.
2: Famous adult film from the seventies. With a, a more your era, guys.
3: It's a much better. You know, West w-
1: th- West saw that in the. It's theater. not our era. <laughs> Just a more alluring lead character this time in Craig Rosenthal. Right. You, know, you just early.
3: unpacked for two minutes there a much better joke than my Chuck Norris jokes, I'm sure.
1: The Norris joke worked on a
2: level. It was kind of like an ironic Well, there was no irony to the joke, it wasn't, it wasn't subversive. Uh, we're at all. back here. It was on the surface. <laughs> no. But uh, maybe, you know, it will come around one day. One day it will click with me and I'll have a good laugh. Maybe on my deathbed. Uh, behind the glass, what's up, Irishman?
5: It's amazing how much happier we are one day after little Deb was here. She brought this whole it's awesome true. energy vibe here, and I haven't seen you guys like this in a long. Well,
2: time. Well, why don't we check back in with uh, Mark's brain again? What's going on in his subconscious?
1: That, yeah, still, <laughs> still a party. I don't see. Uh, I don't feel that way. I, you know, I was like backed into a corner as this like creepy super fan. I was like, I don't. How do I get out of that? You know. Well, I wish
2: you weren't you, a liar. I wouldn't <laughs> call you creepy, but you – all right, let's do some news.
4: You're saying he should have brought his four- and five-year-old <laughs> children. Totally.
1: Children I love kids. Show?
2: Next time. Next it, time, yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs have found some insurance at their quarterback position. Uh, the Chiefs have agreed to terms with former Rams quarterback Nick Foles, Mike Garofolo reported. Uh, the Cowboys and Vikings were also interested in Foles. Um, but guess what? At the end of the day, Andy Reid with his ties to Nick, that must have sealed the deal. Uh, and immediately Foles steps in and becomes the backup quarterback to Alex Smith. Chris Wessling, your thoughts on this deal?
3: Well, first of all, you looked at me when you read that opening sentence. I did not write that opening sentence. It's
2: got your byline on it. A little
3: peek behind the curtain. Sometimes when we get home for the day, the desk has to gerrymander our copy a little bit. Okay. That's what happened here.
2: So you don't stand by that lead?
3: What was the lead again? Uh, It it was a very nice pinch-hitting appearance by Jeremy Bergman down there. Oh, wow.
4: Now
2: you're just calling it. Oh,
1: wait. Maybe it was great. Can I hear it again? I wasn't listening the first time. Yes.
2: The Kansas City Chiefs have
1: found some insurance at the quarterback position. I love it. It's fine. That's how you get
2: right
3: in. I said it was a very nice pinch-hitting appearance by Jeremy
2: Bergman. Should have just owned it and took it.
3: You It's not not my writing. (laughs) I don't write like that.
2: (laughs) All right. Anyway, Wes, your thoughts on the move?
3: Well, I thought it made a lot of sense. We've been talking about this for a week, that he's probably going to end up back with Andy Reid again, who drafted him and tried to trade for him once he landed in Kansas City. So he chose familiarity with Andy Reid and that offense over perhaps a better opportunity in Dallas. Well, I think they've
4: found some insurance at the quarterback position. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) He's right. Maybe that's just
2: all it is. (laughs) Cowboys, I would think the Cowboys probably were upset they weren't able to get a deal done here because they obviously with the injury uh, to their backup quarterback, this seems like uh, it felt like a good fit. Put it that way. Nick Foles could slide in there and be an upgrade um, at their position behind Tony Romo. Now they have to keep digging. And to that point, uh, Connor Orr wrote a banger Um, headline are there better options for boys than Josh McCown and honestly I don't even know if he wrote it Wes has turned my world upside down but this does have his name attached to copy and he's throwing out some names of other quarterbacks that don't have jobs right now and you guys let me know if any of these names would entice you if you were Jerry Jones all right Josh Johnson
3: what no
4: I didn't even make the list of course not. Well,
1: he's go No, he was going through just the available, available kind of free agent no. guys. I don't think Connor is well, John- a Johnson great quarterback. Well, Josh is
2: actually a member of the Ravens, so I guess he could probably be had for a, a cheap price. Matt Flynn. T- no. TJ Yates. No. Mike Lennon. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Bucks aren't letting him go. Cost too much. Mike Vick. No. No. no.
2: So those are the options. It's not great.
1: Well, I think the Josh point, McCown, yes, Josh McCown, yes. The point is that if you don't go the route of trying to trade for someone's veteran that they're willing to part with, there's nothing out there.
2: Mark, the, please tell me the Browns aren't going to trade Josh McCown. You got to protect yourself. RJ 3 is not going to be good. I couldn't. What?
1: Agree, I couldn't agree more. That I I, I would not trade him this season because you you're giving away what could be your best quarterback. I'm not saying it's your long-term answer. If the Cowboys are going to try to float a seventh-round pick for Josh McCown, I wouldn't trade him. I couldn't disagree more. The Browns are going nowhere this year. They've
3: essentially made that clear, and they won't give him a chance to – to fight for the starting job, so give him to somebody else. What I'm I, saying I is not
1: for a. I'm not going to give him away for a seventh round pick. You want to give him something? If you, if you they're give desperate. Like a fifth round pick for All Josh right, McCown. Who you're not going to. The Cowboys use. are and desperate. You better get worth for the deal. Yeah. You don't just give away Josh McCown for nothing just because the Cowboys want to play. I, just-
4: I agree. There is a certain price where then maybe then it's worth it, and I think it's going to happen because Ian Rapport, our NFL media insider, said you know the Browns just didn't. They're willing to trade McCown. They just thought. Uh, the Cowboys weren't willing to give enough, and the Cowboys think that's the price fair.
3: Is too
2: high. That's insane. That's saying. fair, but not Browns. a farm team.
3: That's fair, but the Browns don't think he's valuable. No, they're not even giving him a chance to start.
2: He's not going to be on that team. My my side in this is just you can't just go two and fourteen, three and thirteen forever. They're trying to build something. I know they're not a Super Bowl contender, uh, the Cleveland Browns, but. You cannot put all your eggs in the RG3 basket. You just can't do it, and McCown at right, least is a capable backup. Backup you quarterback up is a seasons. luxury
3: for a rebuilding
4: team. Draft picks are a necessity for right. a rebuilding team. To me, team. they already made that decision. They haven't announced it, but RG3 is their quarterback. They don't really want Josh McCown. I would be surprised if Josh McCown is on that roster in week one. If you're willing to trade him on August 4th, that generally means you're out the door.
2: Well, because – I don't want to say it's a tank, but it's like if you are going to go into the season with RG3 as your starter, Cody Kessler and Austin Davis, you you have no interest in winning more than they're three not, games.
1: I do not think that anything about Hugh Jackson says that they're tanking. No. But I just don't think they inherited Josh McCown. He's 37 years old. And if they can get value for him, they'll trade him. They've traded all sorts of things for draft picks. All My only point is... Just because the Cowboys want this. Hey, we're not the Montreal Expos of don't the 1990s. Oh, really just, We're you. not just your farm team. Well, no, everyone's like, oh, the Cowboys want Josh McCown. Oh, send him right out the door. Give him something back. Don't get fleeced. That's all I'm saying. I don't think anybody th- thinks that's what's happening. I, I'm just saying it's not just – Jerry Jones wants to fill a position. Oh, just call up Sashi Brown, and there you go. It's One last McCown grew up with Sashi.
2: Wes, you're a big fan of Josh McCown.
1: Uh, you think he is a capable
3: quarterback. I think he's the ideal backup for Tony Romo, and I think the Browns don't want him. The Browns aren't even playing fair with him. Is he the
2: best quarterback on their roster?
3: On the Browns roster? Right? Yeah. From everything we've seen the last three years, of course he So is. why are you giving away the guy that gives you the best Because the Browns play? don't think he The Browns are not being fair with him. They're not allowing him to compete. And if you don't want him, if you don't value him, trade him to somebody who does value him. And I agree with Mark. Shouldn't do it for a seventh-round pick. But if it's a fifth-round pick, maybe you do it.
2: Hmm. All right, moving on. Navarro Bowman's got a new deal with the San Francisco 49ers, a three-time Pro Bowl linebacker, signed a four-year extension with the 49ers. The team announced Wednesday the deal is worth $11 million per year with $20 million guaranteed, according to Rap Sheet. Rap Report added the linebacker will get an extra $6 million over the next two seasons, followed by $3.5 million in 2018. Uh, a lot of numbers there. Uh, and Here's the question, Greg Rosenthal. Navarro Bowman... Led the league in tackles last year, but a lot of people that follow the game closely and watch the tape say he was not the same player. And after missing over a year with a knee injury, was it the right move to lock him down when you know he might not be Navarro Bowman anymore?
4: I think they did make the right move, and I think they were looking for something positive on this team to do towards the very end of the season. They believed that the old Navarro Bowman was back, and that was a nasty injury that we all remember that he had, and it's not a surprise. It took him a while. Towards the end of the year, I mean, this guy has incredible instincts, and towards the end of the year, he showed the athleticism. You've seen him all off season in the building. So I think they think he's back to being his old self, and that's one of the best inside linebackers in football.
3: I think the most surprising part is he had three years left on his deal. Right. That was – that what was, was the urgency? I – I honestly believe it was what I
4: started with, was they wanted something positive. Who, who are the 49ers right now? What are we? Like, who do, who do you think of when you think of the 49ers? I think from ownership on down, I think they identify this guy. This is what we're all about. This is a great player who's a great guy, and we think he's going to have a great career. Let's reward him and have something positive. He's the only star left from
3: a roster full of stars two or three years ago. Uh,
2: but I can't take it anymore, by the way because I gave you a bunch of uh, uh, numbers about this, but also floating around out there was that <laughs> th- this this guy, they say he signed a seven-year, $77 million contract. Uh, oh, that's what these numbers. Talk about the CBA, that changes need to be made to help out the players and get the game on better footing. We need to have a, I've said this before, an NFL media insider uh, come to Jesus moment. And that's all the agents are there and the media insiders and everybody involved with the game. I want real contract figures. I
1: want it! You know, <laughs> la- yeah, last night, late at night. I'm lying on the couch and I'm looking at Twitter, and up pops this tweet from Dan. Don't know how it's different than the others, but Bowman's fake contract terms has put me over the edge. Ah! I was like, "That is a super football specific from Wait, Dan." That's it real. Dan yeah. tweeted that at like 10 at night. I was it, blown away. It, that was less reason, believable
4: than some of the texts I sent you
2: last week. I agree. For Some believe. reason it got to me. So I'm, what was? So it? annoyed by this.
1: You said
3: seven years, seventy-seven million. What is it really?
2: I think our our reporting Seven is years, a little more million. a little more plugged in which is uh, 20 million guaranteed uh, that it's worth 11 million per year uh, but i don't know
3: who knows i move I move to make the rule that we only report sounding, signing bonuses from now on. Well, and fully guaranteed money. No, yeah. because even then, like, nobody knows the fully guaranteed money. Right, there's this but. two worlds
4: of well, guaranteed money. Well, I used money. to be really into this. Like, I, I like the but whole fully guaranteed
3: thing. doesn't come out until, like, a week or two later. Right,
4: now now I'm at the point where I barely pay any attention to it off the bat, and I wait two days later, and then you see what,
1: yeah. what the deal is. By then, is. nobody then cares. Why? But it's a nod towards Greg thought. Greg's thought that it's a PR move, not a PR move, but it's a positive bit of business before the season Here, starts. And it, it, to
2: my point, our paragraph on, on our website, the the paragraph that gives the details, there are four figures in this one paragraph, four lines, eleven millions in there, twenty millions in there, six millions in there, three point <laughs> four five millions in there, all different years. It's all it's all a bunch of gobbledygook. Well, and the
1: average fan does not is going to go right past shot that Bergman. paragraph.
2: No, that has nothing to do with Bergman. It's the entire industry, right? and it's all the glad-handing and the agents and the insiders. Let's get this right. Well,
3: Greg's suggestion, if I'm hearing you correctly, is we're going to have to create another podcast segment once a week just to discuss the previous podcast uh, contracts. I don't. I don't believe that anyone. That's right. We
1: have no reverse shir- shift gear in this <laughs> car. I, I, sh- I mean, believe.
3: who's gonna want to talk next week about the real Navarro Bowman figures? Well, I don't. I don't news. believe
1: that the public is interested
4: in that. My vantage point is just you don't even need to get into it because, off the bat, you don't. It, we don't need to talk about all the money right off the bat because you just don't know what's real, what's not. Usually, the day of, just ignore it all. Let's move on. By the way, I you know Jeremy Disgusting. Bergman does a great job. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well you, you keep got raising him up
1: as a straw man, but know what? We all agree he's one of the best writers we have. <laughs> way to go, Bergatron. <laughs>
2: <sighs> Michael and Martellus Bennett in the news this week. Uh, they gave a interview. Really, a, one of those profiles where they fi- follow the athlete or athletes around their native habitat. Uh, this was West L- West L A. and Hollywood. Um, Mina Kimes wrote the piece. Very good on e- in ESPN the magazine, and both brothers didn't hold back. And first of all, let me just say something about Michael Bennett. Uh, Michael Bennett and I have history, as people that listen to this podcast know. Uh, he was a d- to me at the Super Bowl. That's that's common knowledge. Uh, well, he he talked about your. D- he talked about this. Yes, he. Well, all right. Let's not get into it. Okay. Water under the bridge. My point is, I do, on balance, I do like that Michael Bennett and his brother are in the NFL because they at least speak their mind and they reject the teachings of the Russell Wilson school. A professional jock speak. These guys gave a very open interview uh, where they discussed both their opinions about the league, and then there was a kind of a name recognition uh, portion of the interview, and that's what kind of uh, went viral yesterday in social media, where. Uh, Kimes threw out some names, and the brothers reacted. So I'm just going to go down this list here. You guys can stop me whenever you want. Jay Cutler, Michael Bennett says, worst quarterback in the NFL. Martellus (laughs) says, and remember, Martellus was a teammate for the last three years before going to New England. I'd be open, and he'd throw into double coverage.
3: (laughs) I appreciate those comments.
2: Eli Manning, Martellus. This was good. Eli, he's cool. He's like a normal white guy you see at the park trying to teach his kids how to play soccer, and you know he can't really play soccer himself.
4: <laughs> that seems is accurate. I wish I had used that as the lead of my, my case against Eli Manning's Hall of Fame candidacy.
2: <laughs> it is. That's, that, that, that's him in a nutshell. That's a Hall of Fame backhanded compliment. Uh, Brock Osweiler, Michael Bennett, I've got more sacks than he has touchdowns. Martellus, I've caught more balls than he's completed. Both are accurate, those statements. J.J. Watt. Dominant player, Michael says. Martellus says corny. Half the NFL is corny, though. And then Michael adds, <laughs> people love J.J. J. Watt, but they don't really like J.J. J. Watt. You know what I'm saying? We do.
3: Know what you're saying? That was a George Strait. Well done.
2: Uh, Sam Bradford. <laughs> and this came with a grin for both brothers. The, uh, Michael, the greatest quarterback in the NFL. Martellus, <laughs> vicious, competitive. Michael, a real Joe Montana. <laughs>
3: that that was my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs>
2: What was the history uh again, Wes with the Bennett's and Sam Bradford? Well, when
3: Sam Bradford decided he was gonna take his ball and go home and he wouldn't report to Eagles OTAs, Michael basically eviscerated him. Oh yeah. And said he would that would never fly in Seattle.
2: Also, Michael, who <laughs> even though I've set aside my personal issues with him, has been bitching about a contract for what feels like twenty years now. Yes. Uh he it must eat him up that Sam Bradford is one of the highest paid Football players in the last 10 years, while he can't get a simple raise to match so his ability. Uh, and finally, Tom Brady, Martella says, the silver fox you never get to see but you hear about. You only get to take one photo and you have to stay outside for a year just to get it. I believe he's – Decode he's, that, Greg. He's
3: conflating a silver fox with a snow leopard.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think a silver fox is an attractive older man. Yeah,
3: which Tom Brady is. He blew it. Snow leopard lives high in the Himalayas <laughs> and are rarely ever photographed. I, I silver like...
2: fox is the guy from Mad Men.
1: Exactly.
3: Let's let's
4: go to the subtext of all this. Great, you know, it's a great, great piece, great quotes. But y- there's part of Dan Hansis that looks at this situation and thinks, "How is this going to really play in New England?" You are looking forward to the potential day where the Martellus-Bennett experiment blows up in Bill Belichick's case. I did, days.
2: and I mentioned that in, in, the, in the write-up on our End Around si- uh, sub-site, I'll call it, NFL.com slash End Around. I believe that this could go very poorly. I think a lot of people – I mean, Martellus is bouncing around a lot. Michael's only been on two teams, the Bucks and Seattle. Martellus seems to wear out his welcome – And he's got to get in line there. I don't know if his attitude, especially if he doesn't find a role in that offense right away that suits him in his mind, he could start talking. They're saying
1: that they're throwing endlessly to both tight ends and in practice, both quarterbacks are. I mean, I I think he's going to have a role in the offense, quite a big one, and maybe he's, you know, Belichick loves to bring certain guys in for two seasons, then they're gone. He's in a
4: contract year. I think it really might be one good year out of Bennett and he gets big-time money elsewhere, and he said the tight end position looks as good as it's ever been. Um, you know, they don't want to talk about how it was in 2010, 2011. That, it was pretty and pretty great then. I, I do think Bill Belichick has evolved in his attitude towards players and how they talk to the media. I know he seems unbelievably disciplined and strict, but he allows more stuff than he did, especially early in his run in, in New England where he, he he got really mad when people did.
3: Here's what I would say in response to Dan. I think when you're a— creative, original thinker, and a smart person. And and Martellus Bennett seems to be those things.
2: Except for the Silver Fox thing.
3: Okay, that's fair. (laughs) It's harder to deal with ineptitude around you. And I think that his personality deals much better with people like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick Mm -hmm. and Gronk who are the best at what they do and you're surrounded by greatness.
2: I will. That is a fair point. I will counter it with when Bill Belichick says he's never been more happy with a tight end room. That means he's happy with the depth all the way down uh, that positional group. So when Martellus Bennett <laughs> starts, you know, wonking off—is that a term? No, popping off. Now is that a term? Honking, uh, honking. <laughs> There's no way uh, Belichick's going to put up with it. He says, "Hit the road, or mysteriously end up on IR, and I get n- the next Johnny come lately to take your spot."
4: I mean, Gronk, my Gronk I is no wallflower. It's all about how good you are. If he plays well, th- they'll be fine with it. They had Chad Johnson on their team. He's you,
2: terrible. You think that Gronk? I mean, do we have to say it with Gronk? What? It's a reason. Yeah, he's a, he's like a harmless little like kindergarten student. He's not going to. Get out of line. Nothing little I've about. never seen any
3: kindergarten students party like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying
4: he's not the type of individual that Wes described as yes. an intelligent uh, uh, man said. that needs to be surrounded by greatness.
1: Well, he doesn't like, walk out on practice and get in fights with people and create massive issues in the locker room, which Martellus Bennett has right. done.
4: I tell you what, Gronk is not after watching um, the endless Dunkin' Donuts commercials this uh, summer with David Ortiz. If you're watching the Red Sox games, wow. not a great actor. Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> Shocking. Not
2: a great actor. Just put it this way. It's good that he has football. That's what's happening in the news. All right. It's time. Get excited, everybody, because Greggy does Dallas.
1: How <laughs> oh, are we doing that? Wasn't this Oxnard? <laughs>
2: yeah, but. The Dallas
4: Cowboys. Oh, okay. I love what you've come up with, Dan. Brandon is Brandon is visibly uncomfortable. He is excited that uh, shadowy league figures have been on vacation this week and not paying attention to the flaming mess going on in this studio.
5: I have to say, though, all those things that I got out of our music database and all the things that we had, so we're yeah, covered. We're covered. Community. You're following the rules.
2: Yep. Um. All right. What did we want to know about Greg's trip to the Cowboys camp? They don't send it to us anywhere. We barely exist in this company, so it's good when we get out of the offices. Uh, and, Greg, I would like to know, first of all, is Tony Romo fat? Uh,
4: no, he's not. Hesitation. Yeah, picked up on that. He Has Tony Romo ever been a guy that you looked at and thought, that guy is the picture of a professional athlete in
2: great shape? He's
4: not exactly Cam Newton or Colin
2: Kaepernick. Uh, shape is not. I don't I've never had an issue or noticed anything about him not being in shape. I know that he's not built like a statue.
4: Right. They didn't have, you know, they had that picture of him where he looked bad, but that was just a bad picture. He's out there in the heat with pads on, he's practicing. He does have some back stiffness. When he took off his pads at the end of the day and walked off the field, I mean, he kind of looks like a regular guy. I mean, he's not he's not a guy that's cut up or anything and maybe the back injury has prevented him from training as as hard as as he'd like but I don't think that's a serious concern. Mark.
1: Well, in the in the the so-called fat photo he was also wearing a flap jacket. Right. Which is if you ever played football it's like it makes you look crazy. Well, I've I've learned um you know intrepid reporting from
4: guys like Mark Sessler who's, you know, Kind of mentored me in this business, and uh, I kept <laughs> I kept an eye out on uh, Tony Roma after the day was over, and he walked off the field with the pads off and stuff. I, just, I was kind of curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of looks like a regular guy, but you know, Ben Roethlisberger isn't exactly cut up either.
1: I mean, quarterbacks aren't like major league pitchers, which can come in. like You have major league pitchers that are just like big pairs, but like Arturo um, Colón. Well, sure, but that's but they still pitch well. But with quarterbacks, you can. It's the position where you don't you don't need to have like a six pack at age thirty eight. They don't.
2: Oh, well, look at Ben Roethlisberger. Right.
1: Exactly. I think – I
3: would say, though, that you saw Tom Brady and Carson Palmer move as well as they ever have in their careers last yeah. year because they're in impeccable shape.
4: Well, I think that's a
3: concern for Romo. Well, but and I you, think that's
4: a concern for the Cowboys because back stiffness is the issue here. He's sitting, he's sitting out occasional practices still in training camp. You know, he's, he maybe isn't moving as well as he
1: used to. That was a big part of his game. Absolutely. Your, your back is hurt. A he can't do anything all off season and it prohibits all movement. So that's we don't even know what his off season was like. He's been on he's been on the field though. So that to me isn't a, a huge concern.
4: And the Tony Romo that you love to see that Dan that you fell in love with mm. as a player was there. And I was thinking what a big difference um it must be for the team having him on the field. I mean, he's trash talking when the second and third teams are out on the field, he's kind of just a couple feet behind, kind of watching it all yelling things. I remember before one, you know, one play, like Maurice Claiborne honks a lot before one play. He just goes, come on, Mo, get ready to get your ass kicked. And you know what he did? He threw a bomb down the field to Terrence Williams, who caught a pass right over Ma- Maurice Claiborne. It was awesome. You know, the crowd, crowd loves it. The Everyone loves it. He's, He's that guy. Terrence Williams caught a pass?
2: The joy. The joy in <laughs> Greg's voice. Oh, he loves about it. About the game. Other news surrounding Greggy does Dallas. <laughs> ooh, ooh.
1: What else? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's
3: preposterous.
4: I can't follow that. Uh, yeah, that reminds me, actually, of one, one takeaway I had. There's a lot of concern about the music at these practices. Really? there's the toughest job in football well maybe one of the top 1000 toughest jobs the <laughs> way
3: to backtrack
4: the it's a joke it's there a joke there are here. reverse
2: gears in this tank it's a joke Update. it's being a
4: dj at uh, these practices cuz I'm telling you, whatever, what, no matter what song was on, there was a player going over to this guy and complaining because I was standing right next to the DJ. Oh, that's tough. And they're like, oh, come on. Like, Cole Beasley was coming on. They had a lot of Drake on in a row. I feel like everything is – What did Cole Beasley right here? It's either Drake, Future, or the combination of Drake and Future. And Cole Beasley, oh, you're killing me with this stuff. And then they'll kind of switch it. <laughs> He's like, you're killing me with this stuff. I got nothing here. If know. I was
2: the DJ, I would just troll him and put on <laughs> Born to
4: Run. Right, and so then they'll maybe play some, some – you know, kind of rock country type of thing. And or then, Cole so, Beasley. then some other players come over. Jason Witten, fist pumping. There was there were very few m- songs that made it through all the way where some player oh, didn't come over
2: and complain to them. You know what this connects with, Wes? When you have oh wow, this is interesting. When WrestleMania or West related drinking events, I have noticed a trend amongst the millennials that we traffic with, that we work with typically. <laughs> they are way too into the music in terms of. This song is bad. Let me put my phone in. Let me change this song. It's a let, horrible. Let me not leave on this playlist. Here, you have to hear this. That is a millennial thing. It's a I-
3: horrible me-first, self-righteous claim that you can just take someone's music and hijack it because you feel like listening to a song. Here's another problem with the music. Uh, they 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 don't beep out the swears,
4: but it'll just it'll be the clean version where just nothing is said. But there's six-year-old, you know, I, I, there was six-year-old like daughters and little kids right next to the speakers. And it's all like, I'm going to blank you in your blank, just nonstop the whole time. Wait, what I'm... does that
2: mean? Blank you you your <laughs> blank? What is that?
4: I was just thinking like, if I'm a parent, I'm a parent at this thing. It was, it was too much. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry.
2: Anything else?
5: <laughs> I just wanted to say that.
2: <laughs> Wait <laughs> what? a minute. What?
5: <laughs> Hold on. You know. Hold on. I wanted to tell you, but he went off his thing. If this um... has
2: anything to do with Sugar Ray, just stop now. <laughs> No, no. He got him. No, no.
5: He got didn't. him.
4: <laughs> he got him. It did. We wow, the, that was a good job. Yeah, I that
5: just that. wanted to go on the record and say that I didn't even mess with any of your guys' playlists. I appreciated you putting my music on.
2: Yeah. Oh. All right. Th- <laughs> Thank you, Brandon.
5: Uh, this is all God. Any,
2: anything else from Greggy Does Dallas? <laughs>
4: Anything else? Ezekiel Elliott looked incredible until he got injured, which was unfortunate. Uh, but How do you mean incredible? His, you know, I watched some of the running back drills up close, and, man, he obviously he's just big and powerful and can move so well. But it was really in the 7-on-7s, the 11-on-11s. Seven he had two different plays, which got a lot of his teammates to make that, ooh, which is like that's the best thing you can do as a player is yeah, make all your woo. teammates do that. And it was by making Kyle Wilber on one play and uh, another one of their linebackers, I think Gakchar, on another play, just in the hole making them absolutely whiff on him on a play that they're supposed to, kind of, as they would say, thud him up, like hit, hit him, and just that quick sort of lateral movement while he's a powerful back. It was exciting to see, but then he pulled his hamstring right at the end of the that Sucks. Did
1: you the see practice. Jerry Jones?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Can I just say one more thing about All this? the Joneses. I got a lot. The... um. And, yeah, we should wrap up this segment. Yes. So you had a lot Pretty more quick. than you realized. Uh, you're really, you're, now I forgot what I was going to say. All right, go ahead. Joneses? Oh, no, no. The ooh is the second best thing that you can get. The best thing a player can get from his fellow players is the towel in front of them being waved off. <laughs> oh, <That's> yeah. True. <laughs> that is the number one thing. That's true. The uh, Bernard Pollard. Yeah. All right, go ahead.
4: The, jo- the Joneses were all in the mix. I like how at training camp they have the, you know, the thing where the owners – are in the – they build an entire structure, you know, 40 feet above. It's like a Roman Coliseum. Oh. Right, and the owners just sit up there watching their minions underneath. Uh, you long
2: to be up there. It,
4: you know, it's just that cool. That is
2: Greg's throne of ease right there. What,
4: one thing I thought watching it, because Jerry Jones and Romo had a 15-minute-long conversation at one point, meanwhile, while some – Players are doing other individual drills, and Romo's just not even in the mix. And then Jason Garrett and Witten are having, like, a 15-minute conversation in the middle of practice, too. And I was thinking, what two players in the NFL probably have more power within their own team than Jerry than uh, Tony Romo and Jason Witten? Like, if you're going to be a, a player that is kind of into being the man and being able to run things, you want to play for the Cowboys. It'd be nice if they'd be winning more games. But those two guys, it's like they're almost like – assistant coaches advising
2: and, and talking with the owners and coaches. And that wraps up the 2016 edition of Greggy does.
1: Dallas. Oh yeah. All
2: right. This segment is called this next segment is called and there's no accompanying uh, adult theme music. This year's Doug Martin. We, on the fly, we renamed it. I like that. So let's go around. Name. Let's go around. This is the running back who will just dominate fantasy rosters, real rosters, Marrone. We can add some Dougie Fresh in post, maybe. Maybe. Maybe some Dougie Fresh. Wes is a fan. Oh, yeah. Some Dougie Doug. Remember that actor? Lottie oh. Dottie. Uh, all right, Mark. Get us going. This year's Doug
1: Martin is? Eddie Lacey. Mm. And, I, you know, when I came up with this name before the show, I was hearing a little bit, oh, but we've already talked about Eddie Lacy a lot. It's like, but how do you do <laughs> this? The- for the record, oh, that was me. Because how do you do? Talking about Everybody I, knows Eddie Lacey's going to be good this
2: year. All right. If he's
1: not fat. I, I actually completely agree with you. But how do you do? I think I'm taking a bullet for the team because I've <laughs> got to come up with the non-surprise answer because how do you do this segment without talking about Eddie Lacy and a team that may have – the number one group of triplets by the end of the season. Eddie Lacy has lost 20 pounds. He is about three or four pounds away from what they would say is ideal playing shape. He can lose that in camp. He's getting good reports. The coaches are happy. And really it's about returning to the guy he was at stretches of the season before and the year before that. That is possible. We've seen him do it. This offense has so many other weapons that these players get healthy that it's not a stack-the-box scenario on Eddie Lacy. Last year, you know, with the wide receiver situation – the running game came targeted for the first time really in that offense. Now he's part of a passing game that brings players back. You got Aaron Rodgers. Eddie Lacy is a logical candidate for a massive bounce back. He had, what, 758 yards last year. He is not going to double that, but he could get up to twelve, thirteen hundred 1,300 yards.
3: I don't think this choice needs to be defended. I think it was a good option, especially Very when good. Packers coaches are saying <laughs> that they're going to – you know, have a 50 50 split with James Starks. And I think I agree with Mark, that's not happening. If Eddie Lacey's anywhere near in shape, he's one of the 10 best running backs in the NFL. So you trust Mark over the Packers? Yes, coaches. I do. On some level, I think it makes sense because he needs a big
4: preseason. Because if we watch this. And he's, and he's okay, I, I disagree. I kind of expect James Starks will get a lot of work early in the year because they've seen it happen over and over. Not if that,
1: you see Eddie Lacy running like Doug Martin. Isn't this Eddie right. Lacy's career in Green Bay? Right. Save him for the second half of the season or use Starks early. Well, that's maybe their choice, but that doesn't got to win it. games, Greg. I mean, you can't, you, I think Eddie Lacy is going to go wire to wire if he's the guy they want him to be. Mark, thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> All right. You're putting it correctly now. Thank you.
3: West. I was all set to choose Amir Abdullah, whom I loved last August, and uh injuries and poor blocking ruined his fumbling issues too ruined his rookie season. I still have confidence in him. I wanna see how that shoulder does before I you know, kind of anoint him as the preseason guy. I'm going with another guy who lost twenty pounds, Terrence West. Mm. Mark's old buddy who he, Oh boy. Mark doesn't have great feelings for Terrence West, I'm sure. Because what, he didn't – he was a, kind of a problem child in Cleveland and the coaching staff. Oh, right. It's a head case. Well,
4: do you do you remember – wasn't he the one who, when he got picked up off waivers in last season, re- it really upset you? You thought he was going to do really well? In no, 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 no.
1: He got picked up by the Tennessee Titans. That's what I'm saying. And I wanted – I wanted Kristen Michael to go to the Browns. and I Also, Chris Carter's son. I wanted, I wanted Deron Carter as I'm well. Missing,
4: I'm mi- messing it up. Sorry.
1: That's all
3: right. <laughs> Terrence West, according to multiple media sources, has been the best offensive player in Ravens camp through the first week. Explosive, elusive through the hole. Looks like a different player because he's lost 15 pounds in the best shape of his career, according to John Harbaugh. And I don't think it's going to be real tough to beat out Justin Forsett and Buck Allen for that number one role. If he runs like wow. I think he's going to run in preseason games. So I'm kind of like I, – I realize this is a – kind of a long shot but well one thing that's about a sleeper
1: he is back home he went to college in that area and I I just think that for a rookie coming into the Browns program two years ago there was not a lot of support coaching support the organization was fractured and he got caught in a running back room where there were other head cases too and so it is not crazy that someone three years into their career after having a great offseason season where you get your body in shape would look like the guy that he did in for a couple games in Cleveland. He had a couple hundred-yard games. He looked good. There was a reason why the Browns traded up in the draft to, to get, get over the Ravens who wanted him. that might get cut if, if Terrence
4: West is ahead of him on
1: the depth. Is it also maybe a sneaky like dig at the entire Ravens offense if he's the most explosive player? I I don't look at it that
3: way. I look at it as this, this guy has a chance to be the guy who's going to wow us in preseason.
2: I will stick in the AFC North and talk about
1: Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> Good job, Dan.
2: That's your second time around. I will talk about <laughs> Jeremy Hill. And Jeremy Hill is a guy, it could not get be worse than it was for Jeremy Hill last year. Not only did he disappoint uh, both the Bengals and fantasy owners last year, then he went through something in January which can really ruin a career, that fumble that cost Cincinnati their first playoff win in how long, less? Literally, decades.
3: 1991 was the last time they won a playoff game.
2: So that's some mental baggage to overcome, some physical baggage. Just uh, having Gio Bernard in the mix, but I think he's a guy we could see him uh, return to the type of uh, impact player that put him on everybody's radar last year. And there are very positive reports out there uh, that uh, he had. The Cincinnati Enquirer reported that he had a quote really good off season program. Handled all the stuff that came through with the fumble, all the off the field. Uh, madness that I'm sure haunted him uh, throughout the winter. Winter, He took that on, and he handled it and moved forward. Um, the Inquirer expect, expects a huge year. I don't know what his workload will be in this offense, if he'll get enough carries to be a guy that's you know rushing for 1,200 yards, but I do fully expect him to uh, bounce back after a tough year um, have double-digit touchdowns potentially, and be a guy, again, that they can count on as opposed to what we saw last year, which ended up being somewhat of a liability. He wasn't in
3: great shape last year, and I'm not sure he was a good fit for the offense that Hugh Jackson ran, which was more suited to Gio Bernard's skill set as a pass for it o- first offense. With the new coordinator in here, I think it'll be interesting to see what if they maybe emphasize Jeremy Hill again. Well, well I they, mean, they... they gave Gio a big contract.
1: Yeah, that tells you something. Isn't it largely the same offense under Ken Zampezi? That's what they've said. Do we know? Well, I guess we don't know, but it based on – Are it, you going to run a lot of three-wide receiver sets without my right. That's and true. Muhammad the personnel Sanu? limit is going
4: to limit you. The it, personnel will change things. In a perfect world, they're going to run the ball a lot this year because it's a good offensive line. And if Dan is right, and I, I think Dan might be right on this one because he'll show he'll shown it. and. That's, that's one of the most exciting backfields in the league. I guess the Rams is not the option anymore. That's, if, a, that's an incredible backfield because I am so high on Gio Bernard. I think he can go up another level from what he was, which is also already a really underrated, really valuable player. And those two guys together, it's, it'd be hard to top
3: those two guys. Yeah, I mean, if Jeremy Hill runs like 2014, it's one of the most exciting offenses. Right. Greg. I'll go Carlos Hyde. Uh, I thought of doing Matt Jones,
4: who's a similar player, but he really was that guy last year. We've seen him do it in the preseason. we got to see Matt Jones do it in the regular season. Carlos Hyde I'm interested in because he's coming off an injury. He's in a new Chip Kelly offense, and, man, he has an opportunity to put up monster numbers because he's a rare back these days that, that's going to stay on the field, that he's a power back that's going to get the goal line carries, and he's going to catch the ball. And he's in Chip Kelly's offense. Chip Kelly's not afraid to give the give the ball to one guy a lot. Look at LaShawn McCoy's first couple of years under Chip Kelly in Philadelphia. I mean, he got it about as much as anyone. And so Hyde is someone I want to see. He, all reports have been good for him. If he looks fresh this this uh, training camp in, in preseason, I'm taking him in all my fantasy
2: league. Why the flip-flop? Why flip-flop? What do you mean? You had Carlos Hyde, and then he said, no, I want to talk about Matt Jones. Why well, I didn't. I went to, to Carlos. Uh, that was my sneaky way of,
3: putting two guys in
2: there
3: oh well wouldn't we all be surprised if Carlos Hyde doesn't look like a stud during preseason games I I will be surprised if he doesn't look phenomenal well that's all I need to
4: see is kind of to cement it and and then I'm in I'm in on him it's the same thing with Matt Jones he already looked good in the preseason so did uh Amir Abdullah sometimes they look a little different your boy Spiller is is a guy to watch this uh still this spring yeah, well, I just think up. he's a guy that you don't know what you're going to get out of him. And if he looks great in camp, then then you start getting excited in the preseason. Uh,
2: if this exercise is indeed called this year's Doug Martin, um, I want to throw in one more. It's total homer uh, pick. But Bilal Powell is a guy, if you watched the Jets in December last year, He was a major part of that offense. He didn't play Week 17, and I really do think that is the reason that they went home and blew that game in Orchard Park with Powell not playing. Now, they go out and get Matt Forte, who has a similar skill set. I understand that, but I'm not so sure that – uh, Forte is going to get as much work or be as effective as maybe more optimistic Jets fans uh, think. And I think Powell will end up being uh, an important guy or even more important than Forte in that backfield. I'm a big Powell
1: fan. He's been a survivor. I mean, I feel like... the And he got
2: a new deal, too, which means they really like him. He's a role player. He is. He's not a feature back. He's a role. Not player. a feature back, so he's not going to be this year's Doug Martin. But I just don't want him to be forgotten because he was really. And Greg, I remember us talking about this. And then the stretch run, uh, he was making people miss. He was shifty. He was a great receiver out of the backfield. Much better uh,
3: receiver than runner.
1: He's he, this he, year's Bilal Powell. He <laughs> nah. He <laughs> it. I think.
4: I think he might end up. Being their main guy, it sounds. like. That, that happens? That happens. So you, that
1: has to be a disappointment. Yes. for that well, organization. Well, Forte
4: is not healthy right now, so that's a minor thing. But uh, I believe it was the New York Star Ledger thought even before that that they were going to split the carries between Forte, who who is up there. This in, is the in, reason I, I'm talking about him because talk. I
2: think he's better than people realize. I think at the end of last the season, year he was. Every I'm, other
3: year of his career he was not. I'm in. I'm in on. He Powell. came on I'm in the second him.
2: half. Even the first half of last year he. he I think they kind of figured out some things about him, and I think that's why he came back even after they got Forte. I think they like him a lot. All right. Anything else, guys, before we go? We have one more thing to talk about. Hall of Fame tweeners to Hall of Fame bangers. What? Yep. That is not the headline. Can we bring article. that
1: song up, please?
2: No. <laughs> of course. Yeah, one more time, please. Hall of Fame <laughs> tweeners <laughs> to Hall of Fame bangers. Uh... By Greg Rosenthal. And if you really want to know Greg's headline, Greg's the worst headliner.
4: I did not write that one.
2: I might be, but Tony Romo comma Eli Manning among players on HOF bubble. I did not write that. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, so I do, I like the the premise for this column a lot uh, in which you're going to throw out some really notable names and you're saying if their career, tell me if I'm wrong, if their career ended right now, they would probably have a hard time getting in where they're currently at. Although I disagree with the first name on this list, if that's the premise for this, but what they really need is maybe a little bit of a push to get over the hump and be a real Canton dude. That's
4: right. And, and less about predicting what the committee selection committee is going to do. Cause that it's very hard to predict, but more what I think are, have they earned a hall of fame spot yet? and, would a big-time push at the end of their career help put them over the top? Uh, Some of these guys have a long way to go. Some of the other guys, like you mentioned, Eli Manning is the first name on this list. And and I don't think he has a long way to go, certainly not in the eyes of the selection committee because of the playoffs. But it's really crazy when you think about his career and how overall overrated it is because of those two playoff runs. The most overrated player I've ever seen. I don't want to go too deep into it, you know, because we've talked a lot of Eli. I, I think he will make the Hall of Fame ultimately, and his durability and some of the things that makes him special in terms of completing tough catches and being very intelligent, that, that's all great. But he has not been a top 10 quarterback in his career, period. Like, not even if you break it down year by year, there is only one year and that would be 2011, which he had an incredible year that you could even argue that he would be a top five quarterback. He has never made an all pro team, first or second team. He has been selected to two Pro Bowls. He had two more as an alternate, just like Andy Dalton. I don't count that. Two Pro Bowls. Twice in his career, he has finished in the top 10 of QBR on ESPN. Once in his career, he's finished in the top 10 of quarterback ranking. And this is all stats. Stats don't say everything. It's a team sport, but this is an individual honor. And he's gotten those trophies and the commercials and the money. He's been rewarded for those trof- for those titles. But uh, to me, a Hall of Fame spot, that's an individual honor.
2: That's not about – If we're going to talk stats, let me just throw out – First of all, he has 294 career touchdowns. By the time he retires, which will be about four or five years, he'll have thrown like 400 touchdowns. Which that won't even be
3: remarkable anymore. in the era in which he played. The,
2: the era is big. He is now – 35 years old, I believe. Okay? His last two seasons, and I know, Wes, you like to say it's because of his wide receiver. Well, it is. But let me just throw it out there. He has averaged 4,400 yards passing, and he's thrown 65 touchdowns in his last two years with the passer rating over 90. This, this He's still... The average quarterback has a 90 he, passer rating. He is an elite producer. Yeah, but tell me how many quarterbacks throw over 30 touchdowns, 30 to 35 the touchdowns. The ones with
3: Odell Beckham on the roster.
2: With four 4,000 to 4,500. Now, I understand. He's been good. Those last For two instance, years have
4: helped. If he does another couple like that and piles up some more good individual numbers, I think that'll help his case a I'm lot. Just, That's what this uh, is about. The case
2: I'm making is that he has the numbers to go with the playoff success. No, he, and doesn't. You could have, he doesn't. have. Uh, you could have the East Coast bias like Wes – and say, well, he's a giant. I don't like the Giants, and I don't like what? New York, that's and I, you know, exactly. I don't want to give him any what respect. What does that have to do with it? Well, truth. Of everyone the matter, else has the Manning name bias, so I'll right. take mine over that. There doesn't have to be bias. I go by production and success. But you're not. You're saying his, his stats both.
1: are good enough, and they're clearly not. His, his stats pale his, in comparison. His to stats Harry are not Ramo good enough. And I don't Philip think that's Rivers. an argument. One one note, isn't it the problem that this Hall of Fame is voted uh, on by sports writers? And the Manning name is royalty in football and Super Bowl titles. Put all that out. I, no, but I'm saying that that helps Eli Manning exactly. whether you like it or not. Well, and that's and, true. There's, if and, you throw you, out those two things, he's not a
3: Hall of Famer. Right? right,
1: but the problem is there's also quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame who statistically, and I guess it's eras, but like, we're going to have to keep looking at eras so differently. But there's going to be quarterbacks that don't get in the Hall of Fame that absolutely dwarf the accomplishments of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. All right. oh, of
4: course, Matthew Stafford is going to have better numbers than most of the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, I period. So Why the, the Hall of Fame is nonsense. Here's another thing. There's no one in the top – like, he's never in the top five of any cat- – the only categories he's ever led the league in, Dan, interceptions. He's done that three he was times. He's never
2: the best. He has never been the best, but that doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. And let me just tell you something. And you I want to argue
4: with losses. Let They're not you. a winning team. I, j-
2: I hate to break this to you. First of all, he beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, won the MVP in both those games. He is already eighth all-time in touchdown passes. And you could say, oh, 400 touchdown passes don't mean anything, but only one, two, three, four guys have ever done it. And behind him right now, Phillip Rivers will maybe get it. Ben Roethlisberger will maybe get it. Aaron Rodgers will maybe get it. All those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. 400 touchdowns does matter. So you could try to denigrate his stats. It doesn't work. Counting
3: counting stats aren't what put football players in the Hall of Fame.
2: What about winning uh, Super Bowls?
3: I mean, I mean, that's what Hall fame, criteria, Winning Super Bowls
2: something. absolutely does. Troy Aikman. Well, to your point – Find something you're that saying, actually takes him out of the Hall of Fame. You're saying 400 saying.
4: touches, that's another 100. That's the point of this article. I'm saying he needs another – The most
2: durable quarterback I'm saying NFL he history. needs
4: another two to three good years of loading up some of these individual stats, like Peyton, have a good post-35. You're right. Some of his best years are the last two years, and I think he's been solid. He, he's been more on that top 10 borderline the last couple of years. And if he puts up
2: another couple with
4: Odell's help, I think
2: – I think he's probably in. You know, you guys know I respect your football knowledge more than anything, but this is the one thing <laughs> I cannot stand for because it's the one thing I feel strong, more strongly about. Okay, can I make anything. a point? Yeah, I haven't been able to make any points yet. Not yet. I'm waiting for it.
3: Okay, so I know the middle, militaristic stats nerds tell you that you can never mention quarterback wins yeah. and losses, which makes sense over one season, but it bears out over NFL history. The best quarterbacks have great one loss records. Eli Manning is 97 and 86, which is downright mediocre oh, so now we're because going to he's do been that wins
2: and d- losses do matter for quarterbacks cuz I thought we That's my th- entire
3: point that the stats nerds are wrong. I thought we they weren't supposed matter. to
2: look at it like that. So now we are Well, I'm not a stats nerd.
3: Post. I'm telling you that they've always mattered and they always will for career. He's been a mediocre quarterback right. which bears out in his record. But, I've been
2: t- I've been told by people that know football that you should not judge a quarterback on wins and are losses. Are you sure those people know football I, or they just know numbers? Not
4: only, but I think that speaks to what I was trying to get at with Eli. Which is that if you're going to make the stats argument, he's not great there, and if you're going to make the wins loss argument, he's really not great there. He, like you said, is only ten over for his whole career. He he has the two Super Bowls, which he deserves all the credit in the world. He was great in those two runs. Those are the only two seasons he's won a playoff game in. It's not like the rest of the twelve years they've been a good team. They've been a mediocre team.
1: Can we just bring little Debbie back in the studio? Oh, <laughs> I mean, this is just ugly. Yeah, let's move on from Eli. He does I mean have
2: that. He, he does have the stats.
1: I'm well, not, you're looking at counting stats,
3: not like percentage stats. I'm not trying uh, to. Which are much more telling. Let's He's talk about someone everyone likes.
4: You know, people are happy about that. All right, let's talk about somebody else. I don't know. Well, no. there, the, I did have two other quarterbacks on this. While I was who there. else is there? I, I put Rivers, uh, who I think is – a. I put him in the best bet category where I think if he can have a strong run. And I was trying to think of players like him and Romo who could really change the way people think about them with a long playoff run. Because Rivers has all the numbers. He's been in the top of the league. Uh, But it's been a while since he's had some big-time moments. Uh, in January,
1: so and we it, are acknowledging a that a Super Bowl run should matter for a quarterback. Then, absolutely, it's gonna, it's a, absolutely gonna make a difference. Does anyone with ever the say voters. that a Super Bowl
4: run
3: shouldn't matter? I, I, think it's always I the no degree one's saying that. No, I'm saying
4: that that's not enough. Jim Plunkett's won two Super Bowls. Jimmy Johnson's won two Super Bowls. George Seifert's won two Super well, Bowls. Don't get on the coaching. Coaching is Morris. impossible. Those are the two guys that that those are the two most important people are quarterbacks and coaches. Yeah, so. but
1: coaches—that's a whole different Hall of Fame argument. They that whole there should be more coaches all
4: in the I, Hall of Fame. All I mean is that we're not just talking Hall of Fame uh, championships because of course There should
1: be more offensive coordinators in the Hall of Fame. Yes, that's because there's
4: about. Doug, you know, there's Doug Williams, there's Brad Johnson, there's lots of quarterbacks that have
1: titles and Dan Marino does it and no one's going to argue that I get that, the but there's something about I'm not going to go back to Eli Manning, but I I'm just I'm not a Hall of Fame voter and there's a reason for it, but there's something about a quarterback that generates multiple championships. Right. I I think Rivers
4: and Romo have been let down by their organizations. If they were on the Giants, I I fully think they would take advantage of that opportunity just like Eli Manning had. I think Rivers is a safer one. He's had a little bit longer of his career, a little more consistent than Romo, but Romo could really change the way people think about him with a big run.
2: Who else we got here?
3: I was going to accuse Greg of playing favorites, but he already acknowledged that this article was partially about playing favorites, that you want to argue for the guys that you like. Yeah I, yeah, I even said at the top, this isn't comprehensive. I wanted to make some cases. Well, under Jamal Charles, you say, I favor players with brilliant peaks over stat compilers who stick around for a long time, mm-hmm. which makes sense to me. I agree with you totally. And yet Frank Gore is exactly a stat compiler and not a brilliant peak guy.
1: Yeah. and Well, I, very consistent, though. Yeah. Well, that's what a stat compiler is. Sure, I, but I mean, it's, I would say Frank Gore as an argument. I I did consider that. I mean, I, I thought
4: about that even as I wrote that, that Gore is different. I think Gore's chances of getting in are because of compiling those stats. I think he has been a top five running back throughout his career and that it's been underappreciated and that, that people will notice more if he gets 7,800 800 yards this year, if he's the first guy over 33 to run for 1,000 yards in 30 years since John Riggins, if he climbs past Tony Dorsett and Jim Brown in his number eight on the all-time list, that's going to help him possibly get in. I think he has been a Hall of Fame quality player throughout the rest of his
3: career. I wonder how many running backs of the Super Bowl era have only cleared 1,300 yards in a season one time. Probably not a lot.
2: You have Anquan Bolden last on this list. And I don't think – yeah, he's probably not going to get in. But I like that he put him here because he's an underappreciated guy for what he's done in the sleep.
4: Well, he'll get knocked. He'll compile some stats like Gore. And if he's lucky, he could move up into the top 10, top 12 all-time receiving, which is great. He put up numbers as a number one receiver monster numbers before Larry Fitzgerald was there. I don't knock him for being a great team player. He was a number one receiver for two years on some pretty good 49ers teams, number one. One of them that went to the Super Bowl. Uh, Or no, went to the NFC Championship, rather. And he has some of those moments in the playoffs that people remember. They would not have won the Super Bowl in Baltimore without him. He had had some great moments in Arizona. He had some in San Francisco. I mean, I think you shouldn't knock him for being a team player. He fits the Heinz-Ward
1: profile, and I think if one Mm, goes
3: in, it would be Heinz-Ward over Bolden. The Hall
1: of Fame has a problem, though, because 10, 15 years from now, we're going to have all these players with monster stats and super bowls and they're not there's going to be such a glut that a big chunk of guys that if they if it were 1984 would have gotten in unanimously with no issues and they're going to be left out of this thing because the game changes and we're still measuring it off of some willy-nilly sports writer voting thing well it's on the sports writers to kind of to well but what, the, do we, are we happy with how the results that they produced I think it's well, hit or miss
3: my point would be if you're saying that it's gonna be more challenging in the future because of the offensive heavy era that we that the, we're playing in now. adjust. It's so on the sports writers to kinda of take a page out of Dr. Z and Paul Zimmerman's book and actually watch the games.
4: It, I would say them. that
1: every year you remove two people from the Hall of Fame. Well,
4: I, I hear <laughs>
1: <here>, Cold blooded. <laughs> that's Damish's well, idea.
4: I wanted Is to it? one of the things <laughs> I took out of this, you know, way too long article was I think it's it's the hardest sport to cover because there's the biggest gap between the people inside the game and the people that cover
1: it. Point. We yep.
4: understand the sport less, I think, and I think that's exacerbated by a lot of the Hall of Fame committee. They're covering one team most of their career. How can you know? At least yeah. if you're covering the entire league, well, you and have, they
1: certainly have Homer votes, right?
4: You have you have a a broad view where you can see how players are versus each other. But if you're really covering one team and one division, you know, it does the committee tough. still have a baseball beat writer on it. <laughs> <laughs> what I know which one you're thinking. Yeah. About. I mean, come on. No, like, I, clean up your business committee. I did check. It looked tightened up. It looked tightened up now.
2: Mark, it sounds like from what you were saying that you're not happy with the committee. Is there someone recently in the last couple of years that got in that you're furious about or someone that's not in that you believe where where are the miscarriages of justice in your mind?
1: I I'm not gonna denigrate players that have gotten in. I, I if you're gonna put in Andre Reed, we've got a conversation about a lot of other wide receivers. Mm. I'm not saying that Andre Reed where he was in time what didn't belong that? it compared to other players, but if you're gonna put him in, then that that opens that creates a problem for other wide receiver selection issues down the road. Right. I think I think that's right. I think that's why I
4: put a name like Anquan Bold in there because I think y- you never know. If he has one more 1,000-yard season, he en- ends up doing that for four different teams, that, like him versus an Art Monk and Andy Reid.
1: He's in that mix. If you don't put Romo in, and I understand the Super Bowl thing, but it's a, it's an eras and Super Bowls thing because I understand the passing game was different and you had Emmitt Smith on your team, but Troy Aikman's statistics versus, versus Romo's, Outside of the Super Bowl thing, Troy Romo will be absolutely missed in Dallas, and I think he is a Hall of Fame quarterback minus the title. And so we—it's just you're making different arguments for different players. It's hard not to feel hypocritical when you swing back and forth for what players should get in on.
2: I think Romo. First of all, he didn't start until his mid twenties to really get playing time. He's missed a couple of years, and then you factor in the back—you know—the back injuries have affected his stats. And the missing time. I don't think he'll have the numbers to stack up and then if he doesn't have any titles, I he, think he could be on the outside. He, I, you
3: you keep saying numbers is in counting stats, but I think that voters do and will take more into account percentage stats, which are much more reflective of how a player plays. And
4: Romo is second all time in, in something called net yards per passing attempt, which is a great metric to use. I mean how, how when you're back when you're you know, going back to pass, how many yards do you get on average? Second all time to Peyton Manning, and his that's fourth, not how guys and, get in the
2: Hall of Fame though. That's that's what you, I'm I'm you're right. pointing to. But I, that's on you're the
1: right. committee to start paying attention to the yeah. right stats and not the wrong one. And what they rip him for? Some of his numbers in the clutch are startling. I mean, Romo has. There was two seasons ago was right up there with Aaron Rodgers and others. Right. I just I think that. Again, Romo. I think the early part of his career was so maligned because of one playoff game in Seattle. If that had not happened, people would have seen Tony <laughs> Romo differently. And it's an image perception thing with so many. Which of these is players. crazy
4: because he was the holder, and they decided to keep him the holder the whole year because he started that out like that because he was a no-name undrafted player. <sighs> I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Before we go, I I do want to point out Julius Peppers. Looking at this, I started thinking, gosh, as much as I've always thought of a Julius Peppers, going through the whole thing, man, is he an incredible player who almost shouldn't be on this list because he should be so so obvious. Maybe he is, but I don't know if people view him that way. He has had an unreal career. Andre Johnson's another one. Uh, that I, I think,
3: think I'd vote for Andre Johnson right now. Yeah,
4: I think he, I think he's probably pretty safe. But I, you know, I wanted to make the case for him. I also put in James Harrison just to annoy Mark Sessler.
1: I, I think James Harrison. You know, I don't know. If he, he has the longest shot of everyone. James on Harrison. His list. If you want to talk about how if someone has annoyed me for most of my adult life, and that's a Hall of Fame vote, he gets <laughs> in, and so does Big Ben.
2: Poor Colt McCoy.
1: Oh.
3: Did the Troy Polamalu ever annoy you? <laughs> oh, I mean, there's
1: a lot of Hall of Fame Steelers from this past 15 years. Yes, there are. I couldn't get Wes on
4: my side even that, that Harrison had any argument at all, which, I, which was that he was a top five player on defense for a five-year period. So it's kind of the Terrell Davis argument. He doesn't have a ton else other than that. He's got some other moments. But that's impressive when you're Defensive Player of the Year, when you're runner-up and, and you're just that type of player.
3: I agree with that point, that for a five-year period, span he was dominant I just think he's not going to get in because he didn't start he didn't become a starter until he was 29 years old
2: what else can be said Greg wrote a banger (laughs) that's it for this week's edition of the uh, three editions of the around the NFL podcast we thank you all for listening and uh, how are we doing Greg on the iTunes comments challenge I'm putting you on the spot here See how quickly you can move that that mouse. looks very slow.
4: I, c- I can't even check it right Well, I could check it on my phone. On.
2: I know we were approaching. <laughs> What's going on over there, Greg?
4: They wiped <laughs> my whole computer because of security issues, and I don't even have iTunes. Got John on it right
2: King now. of CNN over here. All right. <laughs> what are you What's going on? I don't have iTunes I don't well, get I the just, reference. You got a MacBook, and I, I thought CNN you'd be people. able to check it out for me. But you couldn't. It's okay. We'll cut this out. Yeah, we'll cut this out. <laughs>
1: I think this is good. Let's keep it in and show them how this how this room really operates. Wait, wait, oh yeah, let's wait. find it. I'll Greg
5: find it. on his phone slowly. Dan, I have it if you want it. Yeah, I would love, <laughs> love it. Thank There's you. a thousand and five rating.
3: Whoa! Hey now! Way to
4: go, listeners! Let's go to two thousand. See, we got some momentum by asking for it. You
2: uh the you should be very proud there, Greg, because you made. You really made action happen. You said you're not the boss anymore.
3: Everybody who leaves an iTunes review is invited to WrestleMania
2: 3. <laughs> Your neighbors will love that. All right. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with three more shows. Um, until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, and The Irishman Behind the Glass. Del Monday.
0: irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you
4: what's up y'all janice torres here
0: and i'm austin hankwitz
4: we're the hosts of mind the business small business success stories a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's ruby studios and intuit quickbooks Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success.
0: From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. No. We've got hybrids. No plug All needed. Right, let's go.